Wednesday and welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Danny, And I'm Olivia. We are your co-hosts. And we are back at it again with the Muses series. And I gotta say, y'all love the Muses. And I get it. I get it. Harry Styles and John Mayer, those two episodes are lighting up. Y'all yes. love those. I love them too. I love doing them. I love doing the research. It's probably some of my most fun episodes to record with you, Danny. I think it's just really fun. <laughs> they're so much fun because there's so much to like, there's so much to learn. And obviously yeah. this is Tay learning, but as fans, <laughs> we have a really good idea of what happened in these relationships, particularly the high profile ones like John Mayer, yeah. Harry Styles, and now Jake Gyllenhaal. Even so, there are things that we didn't know until we did like hours of deep diving. And it gives so much context to her music. I'll say this forever. I think something that makes Taylor's music all the more enjoyable for me, besides relating it to my life and empathizing with her because I've experienced that too. What makes it so fun and awesome is understanding why she wrote what she wrote and understanding like certain lines that didn't make sense until we do a deep dive timeline research project you know so like I don't know I think it makes her her music so much more fun to listen to when we know everything that happened I completely agree we're not gonna know everything but you know yeah and she opens up in her music and that is really the only way nowadays that she does open up about her personal life is in her music and so speculating about it is fun and I don't think that she hates when people do speculate because if she did she wouldn't be as honest and raw with the music that she is I think I saw an interview of her recently not like a recent interview, but I saw this interview recently. Oh, not a recent interview <laughs> of her saying that she doesn't mind when fans speculate because she knows that she'll never say who it's about. So she, only she truly knows and she knows that. But when fans speculate, it gets them to read the lyrics and deep dive and analyze the lyrics. And her lyrics are what she's most proud of. So she's like, if it gets them reading the lyrics, then by all means. Today we are talking about, obviously, the rumored, not technically confirmed, primary <laughs> inspiration behind the iconic album, Red. And Red, Taylor's version, came out one year ago today from yes, us recording this episode. Uh, <laughs> Happy birthday, Red TV. We love you. I have so much nostalgia for that weekend. I've said it on the pod before. I will say it again for forever. That album like really changed me because I couldn't experience original Red in a way that I wanted to because when it came out when I was 16, I had a lot of internalized misogyny and there was a really negative narrative around Taylor Swift. And so while I wasn't an active hater, I definitely was like a detractor. I didn't listen. I tried not yeah. to listen. And I was also- you were actively like not a fan. You weren't not not a fan but you weren't a fan I was very neutral like when her songs come on the radio I was like this is fun and cool but I also was living inside of the metaphorical ass of One Direction at the time and so (laughs) I only had time for one fandom and I picked my fandom and it was that fandom hated Taylor too that fandom hated Taylor which wasn't fair but hear more about that on the Muse's Harry Styles yes We're going to crank it back to 2010. And 2010 is, first of all, when Speak Now came out. So you have to remember, as we're painting through this story, that the two people that we're talking about, Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal, 
aren't the Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal of today. They're not even the Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal of the red era in 2012. Mm -hmm. This is the Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal of 2010. Think her big enchanted dress, curl, big blonde bouncing curls. She didn't have bangs yet. And Jake Gyllenhaal, he, he, I don't know. He looked like he was 16, even though he was 30. Yeah. Like what the heck? I need to know his skincare routine. That man uses Botox, doesn't he? Hmm. Oh, I'm sure. He's an actor. Like, his face is what, like, you know, sells things. So, 2010, I was 14. You were 15. Yeah. 15. And this relationship actually got a lot more press after the fact than it did in the moment. But Olivia did a lot of research trying to figure out the timeline. Yeah, you know it. I love that research. (laughs) It's her favorite part of this podcast. So (laughs) I'm going to let Olivia take it from here, talking through the timeline. And let's let's talk about what day we think they might have met. Yeah. So I think an important note before we like completely jump into this timeline is that Jake Gyllenhaal tries so desperately to keep his private life completely private to almost a fault it was a point of tension in their relationship with his relationship with taylor swift and so a lot of this timeline is going to be presented to you through sources close to jake and sources close to taylor a lot of it's gossip and hearsay so we're not saying all this as fact um before we make any statements i'll say if like it's a source-based statement or if it's from Jake or Taylor specifically but I think a big reason why there wasn't a lot of attention on their relationship while they were together was because Jake desperately was trying to keep it out of the press and keep it private so just a little disclaimer a lot of this is gossip that's true and also a a good disclaimer I mentioned our ages but I completely forgot to mention oh yeah that's important their ages (laughs) So Jake Gyllenhaal was born on December 19th, 1980. So for those who are keeping track, that means that he was just shy of turning 30 years old mm-hmm. when this was all going down. Taylor Swift's birthday, obviously, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you know this, is December 13th, <laughs> 1989. Woo! So she's <laughs> nine years his junior, putting her at the almost 21 age. And we'll get into those, the lyrics that talk about that later. (laughs) But just to give you an idea, we're looking at 21 Mm -hmm. and 30, basically, or 20 and 29. much background context before we hop in. With that being said, there's a rumor of how Jake and Taylor met. And this is the only rumor I could find. So the rumor is that Jake and Taylor met at Gwyneth Paltrow's dinner party. The exact date is unknown. And when Gwyneth mentions it in an interview later in December of 2010, she said that it was, quote, a while ago. This is something that I think needs to be taken with a grain of salt because there's also some evidence that this dinner party happened in November after they met. So, but this is like the only source of an idea of how Taylor and Jake met. I couldn't find anything else. I mean, they're both celebrities, so like they could have met anywhere. Yeah, like they could have DM'd each other. Their publicists could have reached out to one another and said, he wants to take you out. Yeah. We don't could know. have met at an after party somewhere. Like they're, they're in these celebrity circles. So like, who knows? But we do know 
on October 23rd of 2010, Taylor and Jake are seen apple picking together in upstate New York. A local says of the sighting, they were walking through the trees, having fun together. They looked happy. Some of the customers tried to take a photo of them, but they were hiding from them in the, in, in the trees. <laughs> they were hiding from them in the trees. I think they meant like behind the trees. That's why I stumbled on it. Cause I'm like, they were in the fucking trees. <laughs> they Anywho. climbed the trees to hide. <laughs> they would if it were a rom-com. Anyway, they drove through the orchard and bought the apples on the way out. Another source says, the relationship is very new, maybe two to three weeks old. I'm not sure who pursued whom, but they're both into it. Also, if you're interested in living your own apple orchard date dreams, it was in Hopewell Junction, New York, which is almost two hours north of New York City at Fishkill Farms. So... Yes. If you want to go and relive that night. Jake's first public date. <laughs> and apparently he bought their apples. It was $3. What but, gentleman. Uh, what a romantic wow, Swoon worthy. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> later in that night, they're, they're still hanging out. They hang out this entire day. So later in the day, Emma Stone hosts SNL and Taylor comes to the taping, bringing Jake as her date. A source says, they walked around together backstage, but they were careful not to be seen too close. It was hard to tell if they were together, but everyone was shocked that she brought him. Were they? Different... <laughs> what? Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> A different source says she was totally into him. They were close the whole time and awkwardly cute flirting, some undercover hand holding. It was more than just friends. I love gossip. <laughs> I love gossip too. And like, I guess I get it because if at that age, if I were 20 and a man had taken me on an apple orchard day, yeah. I would have melted. You and cats have been on apple, like an apple orchard yeah. day. It's yeah. cute. It's cute. It's, it's one of those stereotypical staple fall day. This is Taylor's enchanted era. Like, you know, she, the fairy tale thing is like still very much real only she's just now starting to have her like more significant real life romantic experiences she's swooning over every stereotypical movie like date that they do yeah and you know i can't even shame her for it because yeah i would too <laughs> yeah the next day october 24th Taylor and Jake are seen getting brunch with Emma Stone in Brooklyn so they're like still hanging out I need to know like when they actually met because like the, it seems like they just came out of the blue and they're seeing each other all the time. And it's moving really fast. And I, I mean, I can't even judge or be like, that doesn't sound realistic because I had a boyfriend a few years ago that we met and then it was like immediate every single day, every single day yeah. up until I like moved away for lack of better words. That's what happens with those red relationships. They move really fast. They pick up a lot of speed really fast and then they crash and burn also really fast. <sighs> so it's understandable. Like this is the, her prime example of a red relationship. This is what inspired red driving Makes a new sense. Maserati down a dead end street. Loving him is like driving a new Maserati down a dead end street. Yeah, faster than the wind. <laughs> Passionate as sin. And it's so suddenly. <laughs> so fast that the next day, October 25th, it is rumored that Jake goes to the NBC Thanksgiving special taping and hangs out with Taylor and her mom in Taylor's dressing room. Like, he's meeting her family now. 
Okay. So I love Andrea, but I couldn't, I couldn't imagine if at the age of 20, if I tried to introduce my mom to a 29 year old, I was seeing, but I think my mom would drop kick him. And like, this is later in the same year that Taylor had that relationship with John Mayer, who rumor has it, Andrea also was not a fan of Andrea's her mom, by the way, if you don't know, like back to back older men. Yeah. And go listen to the muses, John Mayer, if you haven't had the chance to yet, because Olivia goes into it there. Her mom loves her. Her mom wants to see what's best for her. There are not a yeah. whole lot of scenarios, regardless of whether you're famous or not famous, where dating somebody who's almost 10 years your senior mm-hmm. is a good thing when you're in different stages of life, whatever, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she's, you know, 19, 20 years old is still young and impressionable. Yeah. So especially when it's a 30 year old, like, like you said, different stages of life, like it, it's different when it's like. 30 years old and 40 years old that's a very similar stage of life I mean you could still be in different stages of life but like it's It's more likely even playing field yeah it's more likely you're in a closer stage of life between 30 and 40 or 40 and 50 than 20 and 30 that's insane because a 20 year old only has like two years of adult experience whereas a 30 year old has 12 years I guess I think of being 19 and 20 as being like a diet adult (laughs) An upgrade from teenager, but not an adult. <laughs> you're not an adult. You're not a kid. Not a teenager. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of existing. Yeah, it's a weird in-between. Yeah. October 27th, 2010. Perez Hilton, who is a reporter and is notoriously scummy, but Perez Hilton <laughs> reports, quote, Taylor is very serious about her career. For her, it's all about the career right now. She's not really interested in getting heavily involved with anyone. They're cute together, but I don't think there's anything to it. Everyone's talking about it. They hung out, but that's it. I don't think they're a couple. If she does have a serious relationship, it's probably going to be with someone who's not in the industry or someone who's not a household name. With Jake, she probably figures, why not be seen together and keep everyone guessing? Famous last words. (laughs) (laughs) Resulton was off the mark. Oh, yeah. That girl was in love. She's obsessed at this point. (laughs) On October 29th, 2010, Taylor and Jake vacation in Big Sur, California. Witnesses say, quote, they spent most of the time in their room. They did step out of it for a romantic dinner at Sierra Mar. They were very cute. They looked happy. They were seen together over breakfast and also by the pool. Wait, okay. They were by the pool in Big Sur in October? I they guess. were fucking freezing. Okay, continue. November 1st, 2010, they were seen in Santa Barbara getting ice cream together. So they're on this, you know, romantic getaway. They've done the upstate getaway. They're doing the California getaway. Like, so many weekend vacations. Okay, once again, they're getting ice cream and it's November? Yeah, because, you know, in Michigan, in November, a couple days ago, it was 75 degrees. Okay, it's presently 63 degrees in Santa Barbara. Like, that's too cold to get ice cream on a pier, okay? I'm just going to say it. That is crazy. They're going to sit by the pool October and it's cold and then they're going to get ice cream in November. Danielle, listen. (laughs) Not everybody lives in Kansas City and more south where like the average summer temperature is 100 fucking degrees. Before I moved to Kansas City, 77 degrees was hot summer day. No! (laughs) This bitch is from New York for living in new york she's from pennsylvania (sighs) anyway so in november of 2010 
Taylor appears on The Ellen Show, and Ellen brings up Jake Gyllenhaal being her boyfriend. Taylor doesn't say anything truly substantial to this timeline in her response, but her demeanor is extremely bashful, and she tries her best not to answer the question. Mm. On November 11th, 2010... Oh, I know this one. Uh, Jake flies Taylor to the UK in his private jet, setting him back $150,000 to promote the movie Love and Other Drugs. A private jet? Are you kidding? Is this where this all started? Taylor Swift in private. This is Jake Gyllenhaal's fault. Everything is, is his fault. Yeah, all of this comes back to him. Yeah. Taylor Swift would not be contributing to the climate change in the way that she is with her private jet if Jake Gyllenhaal had never flown her yeah. out to see Love and Other Drugs. Exactly. <laughs> this is also an important day, and the importance comes into play later, because Jake is photographed by paparazzi wearing a black scarf with maroon stripes. Keep this tucked in your mind for later. In November 2010, a source reports, Jake keeps obsessing that she's looking for things to write about. He told her, I don't want to just be another failed relationship that you put into lyrics. Taylor just giggled, but vowed that she would lay off. So that was November 18th, you said? I didn't give a day. I just left it. November 15th. The Sun reports Taylor had been due in the Capitol yesterday to play the first ever Radio 1 Teen Awards at the Hammersmith Apollo. But she jetted in early just to see Jake. Jake mm. wanted some quality time with Taylor. If he hadn't done this, they would have missed each other as he had to fly back to the States. He hired a jet, which would have set him back 100,000 euros. I think this just goes to show, at least these rumors go to show, that Taylor isn't the only one being crazy. He's also being crazy. They're both obsessed with each other. They get yeah. burned fast and bright on both ends. Taylor's totally not the did. crazy scorned ex at the end of all her relationships. There's reasons why she's obsessed with these guys. We've talked before about how men and women get over relationships completely differently. But the way that men move on from relationships in a lot of examples, and I think this is a good example of what's a common trope of men just like moving on. They just move on differently. It hits them later that the relationship is over. It happens yeah. a lot less in the moment like it does with a lot of women. So... I don't think that Jake Gyllenhaal looking or appearing apathetic after their split was because he didn't care. I think it's because that's how his brain was processing it, not working anymore. Doesn't mean he didn't yeah. love her. Didn't mean he wasn't passionate yeah. about her. I don't think he would have done all these things that he did, spending time and money, if he didn't have feelings for her that were real. Exactly. I understand that sometimes you can develop feelings for someone and it's really one-sided, but I think more often than not, it's not one-sided. There's a reason why you're developing really deep feelings for somebody, and it's more than a crush. Developing an extreme crush is one-sided, but falling in love with somebody, like, it's because you're reciproc or you're being reciprocated. Like, you're not just going to fall in love with some random stranger and want to marry them immediately. Yeah, you can be completely infatuated, but, like, I don't know, based on his actions, and we're going to get way more into this, but yeah, based on his actions, it doesn't seem like it was just her being completely infatuated with him. It was mutual, and that was a downfall for both of them. He's just really private about his feelings while she's yeah. very public about them. Yeah. Right after the National Enquirer reported about him saying that he didn't just want to be another failed relationship that she puts to lyrics, which, woof. The next thing that was posted was Jake didn't sweat Taylor's probing pen until shortly after they started dating and pals razzed him mercilessly, saying he'll be Golden Girl's next platinum album love victim. 
which again is like a fucked up thing to say and they also weren't wrong nope (laughs) (laughs) not to spoil anything (laughs) another example of just how fast these two are moving thanksgiving taylor goes to jake's family's thanksgiving and this is the day that they are very famously photographed together getting maple lattes in the morning and remember that scarf that jake was wearing taylor's wearing it today Hmm. (laughs) the black and maroon striped scarf um maroon maroon Taylor is also photographed walking with Jake's sister, Maggie, and playing with Maggie's daughter. So she's, like, hanging with the Halls, you know. <laughs> Shortly after Thanksgiving, they travel to Nashville to visit Taylor's family. They're doing the family rounds. This is this is cuffing season to a T, you know. And Taylor and Jake are spotted having coffee together in Nashville and then looking at Christmas decorations at the Gaylord Opryland. And there's a couple of like sneaky pics from fans of them out together. Snicky snack. Then for the next three days, November 28th, 29th, 30th, they're also spotted getting coffee together out in Nashville being very public like you'd think jake would be more private if he desperately didn't want people to know he was dating taylor swift he sure is looking like he's dating taylor swift they're getting a lot of coffee (laughs) olivia when we go to nashville we go to nashville to see the tour and to visit our friend emily we need to go on a little coffee shop tour (laughs) that jake and taylor (laughs) well the first week of december of 2010 jake rents out an entire movie theater so that he and Taylor can watch Tangled in private. Great taste, might I add. The absolute taste of Tangled. In popular opinion, I think Frozen is better, but (gasps) you think Frozen's better than I wasn't impressed with Tangled. I think it was because of the hype. Because I watched Frozen, I loved Frozen, and then everyone's like, Tangled is so much better. And I'm like, oh Tangled's gonna be really good. And then I watched it and I was like, it's okay. Okay, so I watched it once and never watched it again. What? Mm-hmm. I think it's because I'm obsessed with Zachary Levi, like deeply, and his voice being <laughs> Flynn Rider, like, yeah. Uh, but that blows my mind because I feel like everyone said Frozen was better than Tangled, and I was like, no, Tangled bangs. I was obsessed with Tangled. A Tangled I feel song the opposite. Was... I feel like everyone says Tangled is better. Tangled was my. There was a song from Tangled that was my ringtone <laughs> for a while. I'm not kidding. <laughs> During that era of making songs, your ringtone. Yeah, and I was like recording the song on my cell phone, like up next to the YouTube video. So it was bad quality, and my phone was a flip phone. It was anyway, like I didn't even have a smartphone yet. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I think it was taste, and that's a cute date. And if that were ever feasible, (laughs) what a romantic date to rent out. I'd fall in love too, you know? Yeah, I would also write a 30 song album. Oh, yeah. Shortly after that, in December of 2010, Taylor interviews with Entertainment Weekly and is asked if she's seen any good movies lately. And she says, none that are out yet. She's then directly asked about Love and Other Drugs, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. They made sure to make note of that. She smiles and says, it's a good movie. The interviewer asks, so what's it like to go away for a weekend with someone and have it end up on the cover of a magazine? And she responds, I write in great detail about my personal life, but I don't talk about it. 
Not anymore. Sounds like some Jake Gyllenhaal influence to me. If you listen to the muses, Joe Jonas, um, which is the one that I haven't mentioned yet. Sorry, oh, yeah. Joe, <laughs> sorry, Joe Jonas. Uh, she was very loudly like talking about her personal life. And then yeah. she was like, maybe I shouldn't do that. On December 8th, 2010, Taylor flies out to LA to visit Jake. That's where he's living. And the next day, Taylor and Jake are photographed by paparazzi in Jake's car. Jake looks very angry and is yelling at paparazzi while Taylor looks wildly uncomfortable in the passenger seat. A paparazzi says of the incident, I don't know why Jake was in such a bad mood. We saw him and Taylor in the car, and when we tried to see where they would park to get out, Jake went crazy. It's like he didn't want anyone to get a shot of him and Taylor together. Okay. This is very interesting to me. What are you going to say? Just like, maybe he's tired of being photographed all the time. I don't know if it has to do with Taylor, but like, maybe he just doesn't want every moment of his life photographed. Why make it about Taylor? I mean, I don't think anyone really was making about Taylor. I think they were just confused. That's why he was mad. But the line of like, it's like he didn't want anyone to get a shot of him and Taylor together. Or maybe he doesn't want anyone taking pictures of him at all. I mean, I kind of took it as like, he just doesn't want his personal life out there. And he's doing something that involves his personal life by going on a date. Fair enough. Before we jump into the next piece of information we have, and we are about to enter some birthday nonsense and Christmas nonsense, we're going to talk about Anchor real quick. We'll see you back. Okay, so I stand corrected. Olivia had one more comment to make about that paparazzi photo. uh, The one where Jake is yelling at the paps and Taylor's sitting there looking wildly uncomfortable. So is this just me or is it not giving all too well short film vibes of... The male love interest like yelling in the car and like freaking out and and it's that's considered like what was the wording she used because Taylor referred to this scene as the first crack in the glass. Oh, wow! Good. Now we're like jumping a little bit, but I think this fits best to mention here when we're talking about this moment, like. Because there's the car and like him being mad and her like observing him being mad and screaming and like acting like a guy that she like didn't recognize really. And I don't know if it's like this moment in particular, but like I can totally see, you know, obviously doesn't like his private life public and Taylor Swift's private life is public. And like three months into this, he's really frustrated and over it. So that's kind of the vibes I got from this paparazzi moment. That's a really good parallel. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. After that, as we know, Taylor's birthday is December 13th. The rumor is that Jake gave Taylor a $10,000 Fender Fresh signed by Chef Atkins, a $100,000 bracelet, 21 pounds of coffee, a coffee grinder, a coffee maker, and he made her a birthday card. But guess what he didn't do? Didn't go to her birthday party. And all the gifts in the world don't make up for not being there when someone needs you there. And also no. your assistant could buy the gift. Like buying gifts yeah, is easy. It doesn't mean shit. Even and the I, handmade card. Who's to say that he actually made it, you know? Yeah, we don't know. And, you know, what's her love language? How does she want to be loved? Is it gift giving? Yeah. Probably no. not. Mm-mm. Exactly. Although if I ever meet Taylor Swift, I'm going to ask her what her love language is. <laughs> That would be some really cool info, I think. (laughs) So about the birthday party, a source says, The day before, all was set. He was coming, no issues. But the day of, she doesn't hear from him at all. 
no texts, no calls. Taylor thought maybe he was planning some sort of surprise. Nope, he didn't show up and she locked herself in the bathroom and cried the entire night. I understand why she's so sad. Like, I understand why she's so sad. I hope that if you're listening to this and you're younger and you haven't had an experience like this, that it never happens to you because no man is worth ruining your 21st birthday party or crying in a bathroom. No, it's not. No matter what age you are, no matter what birthday party it is or what it is, like, it's just, it's not worth crying in the bathroom the whole night. Mm -mm. And I'm saving a few of like the songs about Jake Gyllenhaal on Red for like when we get to the Red release, but I don't think this one is much of a spoiler. Taylor wrote 22 because her 21st birthday sucked. So if your 21st birthday does suck and you can't relate to that, you have your 22nd birthday and you can listen to 22, 22 times. (laughs) Like you did. Like and, I did. <laughs> and understanding that you're not alone because Taylor Swift herself had a really garbage 21st birthday and yep. she made up for it by turning 22. Exactly. So if you didn't know that. The next day, uh, December 14th, 2010, USA Today asks Jake who you'll take as a date to the Golden Globes. He responds, dude, I didn't think I was getting nominated. It's going to be a long, slow burn for me. I'm not rushing into anything. That would kill me. Waiting the question. Yeah, he's just avoiding it. But that would kill me if I was dating a guy and he was basically like, I don't know, and I don't care. Like <laughs> the day after your birthday and he didn't come and you thought you were dating and in love. <laughs> yeah, I would be absolutely shattered. Come January 2011, rumors start circulating about their breakup and that Jake called Taylor and broke up with her over the phone right before New Year's. A source says, they're over. It ended last month. Jake reached out to her and started all of this, but now he's not acting as interested. He said he wasn't feeling it anymore and was uncomfortable with all the attention they got. He also said he could feel the age difference. Taylor is really upset. We told her not to move so fast with this, but she didn't listen. Jake cares about her, but the publicity was the lot for him. He wants to keep his private life private, and that's hard to do dating Taylor. Jake just told her it wasn't working out. Taylor is really upset and hurt. She doesn't know what she did for him to put a stop to it. She feels really burned by him. And it's important to note that his birthday was also in the month of December and she did not spend it with him and they spent the holidays apart. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, we'll save the song parallels for later, but she knew. She she knew. Oh, yeah. And I think that this really just confirms that I... I think he really liked Taylor. I didn't think he liked her more than he hated publicity. Yeah. And I, I would go as far as to say I think he loved her. But really, it wasn't worth it to him. Yeah, he kept crawling back. We'll get there, though. <laughs> <laughs> but another source says of the breakup, Jake is very uncomfortable with having his private life in the media, which was one of the reasons he and Taylor didn't work out. He and Taylor remain close friends, and she has promised that nothing from their relationship is going to end up in a song. (laughs) He's grown up a lot in the past year and understands that some things just aren't for her fans. It also says in the same report, Taylor Swift doesn't plan to write any music about her short-lived romance with Jake Gyllenhaal. Says (laughs) insiders close to the former couple. Those Mm. insiders are not as close as they think they are. (laughs) Also, it's just like so icky to me that she's grown up a lot and understands that some things are not for her fans Mm, uh, no like can we not be sexist please (laughs) yeah literally if a guy is doing this which happens all the time no one bats an eye ed sheeran wrote don't don't 
about Ellie Golding and like rumored to be Niall Horan and no one was like how dare he he write that song about another famous person because he's a guy also like these are Taylor's life experiences she isn't like writing these songs as a haha getcha most of the time like like she said before if boys don't want her to write bad songs about them then they shouldn't do bad things where's Harry Styles like super trash breakup song doesn't exist Exactly. And also, Harry Styles writes songs about his exes and his relationships, mm-hmm. and no one bats a freaking eye. Same so, thing with the Joe Bros. Like, everybody does it. Everyone. It's just, like, gross to me that, like, <laughs> she knows that, like, you know, some things are meant to be private. Like, you know what she built her career on. Why were you dating her? Well, January 9th, 2011, Jake is interviewed at the Palm Springs Film Festival. And the interviewer says, I'm being told I need to ask you if you're still with Taylor Swift. And Jake says, that's not a question I'm going to answer. See you later. Sensitive topic. I know. And this isn't like super relevant, I guess. I don't know. On January 15th of 2011, Jake (laughs) is seen flirting with Camilla Bell. Not Camilla. Camilla Bell. For those who haven't listened to our Joe Jonas Muses episode, highly recommend. Go listen. Like, you got to catch up a little bit, you know? Camilla Bell is who Joe Jonas dated immediately after dumping Taylor Swift. And Taylor has a song specifically Crashing Camilla Bell. They are not like, and Jake should know at this point. He dated Taylor for three months. Like, if he doesn't know her dating history and like all her history of everything, like, what was he doing? He wasn't paying attention, clearly. But flirting with Camilla Bell of all people. Oh, God. People. And people saying, or like a, a source saying they hung out together the whole night, talking intimately. There's chemistry, a connection. Yeah. She is definitely his type. If I were Taylor, I would burn the world down. Yeah. She's, you know, she pushed better than revenge after that. Yeah. Maybe, okay. Maybe Taylor Swift wasn't planning on writing music. And then that came out and she's like, oh, fuck him and fuck that bitch too. Suddenly I am back in my fearless speak now era, baby. (laughs) And then to make matters worse, the next day, January 16th, 2011, Jake takes his ex-girlfriend Jenny Lewis as his date to the Golden Globes and was seen, quote, talking to many girls. Just like fresh off of their breakup. Oh, I I see a report that says talking to a, quote, bevy of A-list actresses. That's, again, if if I were Taylor Swift, I would have lit the Golden Globes aflame. Like, she's better than me. She did fuck up his life for the rest of his life by, you know, releasing Red. And therefore, spoiler alert, if you didn't know, all too well. Yeah, and like we'll, we will talk more about our personal feelings about Jake here in a little while. But while I don't think he is a monster, I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's just a guy. Uh, he <laughs> not necessarily a good thing. He's just he's just a guy. Oh, I had a point here and I lost. It. I totally forgot it. Uh, I don't think that he is an awful person and I don't think that his life is necessarily ruined. But he is the reason that now stuff like. Billy Eichner saying, for a dollar, name a celebrity you hate. Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, he's ended up- He's on, a meme. <laughs> he's ended up on the naughty list of celebrities. So she, it was tit for tat. She got her revenge. Yeah. And it's like, it's so funny because like, it was a joke for the longest time during this era of like, oh, if you date Taylor Swift, she's going to like lie and trash your name and blah, blah, blah. She's not lying. She's just exposing the shit that you do. 
Yeah. And like Taylor Lautner got a beautiful breakup song. Talking about her experiences isn't shit talking. And I think that people don't understand that. And that goes for like even your everyday life, because if you tell a friend about your personal experience involving another friend, it's not shit talking. That is what happened to you. And if you are embarrassed and upset about something you did, it's still something you did and you need to own up to it. Bingo. So January 19th, 2011, (laughs) Jake and Taylor have dinner in Nashville. Us Weekly reports, quote, he wanted to take her to dinner, but she said she had to rehearse. He said, she's on the speak now tour at this point or rehearsing for it. He said he didn't think they ended things right. And he owed it to her to talk face to face. He said he just wasn't feeling things anymore. He didn't like where things were headed. Jake went to Nashville to see if there was anything still between them, if they could recapture the magic. Sadly, it wasn't there. It's important to note that, like, he went out of his way to come to Nashville and visit her. And apparently, when his flight got delayed to Nashville, he desperately didn't want to, like, stand her up. So he rented a car and drove 200 miles because he stood her up on her birthday. He can't stand her up again. So you like, really no wonder she was so in love with him. He's doing all these grand gestures all the time. So you really think that he was in love with her? I do. I don't I think don't he was like deeply in love with her, but I think he loved her. Mm. I think of love and in love, I guess, as completely different things. Yeah. For some reason. I could totally see him loving her and caring about her quite a bit. But yeah. I, I can see him wondering if like maybe he made the right choice or not, but I I don't think he was like deeply in love with her because if he was like it wouldn't have been the way that it was but I also wonder if he like didn't really know what love was I don't know his history of dating at all so like you know that could be just me making assumptions but I he had already experienced great loves like he dated Kirsten Dunst for a long time and we talk about kind of a, a parallel there in the all too well short film analysis episode that we did, but he'd had an experienced great love. So when she says the line in all too well about I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but when she says the lyric back before you lost the one real thing you've ever known. And I think retrospectively Taylor Swift understands that she wasn't the first real thing he ever knew because he had experienced deep love before with other people, but still you get it. Yeah. But I don't know, like, why would you drive 200 miles to, like, not hurt someone's feelings because you already hurt their feelings if you didn't love them? Yeah, he totally could have loved her. I just, I just don't don't think he loved her enough. I don't think he loved her enough. And I don't think he loved her as much as she loved him and as much as she thought that he loved her. Yeah. Which isn't her fault. Another important point about this Nashville meetup is he had a hotel booked for two nights. And he stayed at her apartment for those two nights instead. I think this is kind of the time to talk about Taylor Swift's virginity. (laughs) And I don't want to heavily speculate if I can avoid it because she is still a person and a person that I respect with like the highest regard. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal seems like probably the person that she swiped her V card with. Yeah. When the source says that the insider thinks that night may have gotten even steamier when Jake and Taylor went upstairs together, I just, I don't know. I, yeah. We'll talk about the scarf and about the metaphors and yeah. yada yada, <laughs> but like, 
I don't know. I we were you and I were literally talking on the phone earlier about how virginities change things, even though they're more of a societal construct than anything at this point. But they change things. Yeah. Losing your virginity changes the way that you feel about somebody yeah, because of the societal very, construct. Very attached. Mm-hmm. Literally, just because society tells you to get attached. Yeah, but it changes you because you grasp onto that person and the idea of that person and what it could be. If you're like raised, even if you're not raised religiously, you're raised to not have sex. Sex is bad as a teenager, no sex. And so you kind of have this idea, or at least I had this idea. I wasn't religious. This isn't like for religious reasons of, I only wanted to have sex with the person I got married to because that made, it was special. It's a special thing that I only did with one person in my whole life. And it was a special gift I could give to somebody. And I wasn't even religious. I don't know. I I was raised religious and it was like, Frankly, I'm sorry to like family that might be listening to this, but it was traumatizing because there was this idea that I was not worth more than what my virginity was. So if that went away, then I was no longer a person unless the one redeeming factor was that if the person I gave my virginity to decided to stay with me, then I wasn't garbage. And so if Taylor Swift being raised religious and being raised as a girl because it's it's forced onto all young women. Mm -hmm. This three-month relationship probably impacted her the way that it did because of her virginity and because your self-worth as a girl, whether it's right or wrong, even though I think it's wrong, is tied to your virginity societally. The redeeming factor is if Jake chooses to stay with her, then losing her virginity would not have been in vain. Right. And even beyond like the idea of her value being decreased after the relationship is over, like it's hyped up to be the absolute top way that you can express your love to somebody. It's the number one most intimate thing you can do with somebody on an emotional level, not just physical. And so as someone who get like Taylor got caught up in, you know, the fantasy, you know, fairy tale idea of love and like the movie version of love, I can totally buy that whoever she lost her virginity to who we're guessing is Jake Gyllenhaal, she got extremely attached because that is the most that she's ever given to somebody that she loved. If it comes back to that, the whole thing about it's redeeming if they stay with you. You didn't lose your virginity in vain. You didn't do anything wrong if the payoff is that they're with you forever. That's the only justification I can make in my brain for how an entire, almost an entire album was written about one guy after a three-month relationship when they didn't live together. And he was doing these grand gestures, but it's not like men hadn't done grand gestures for her before. At this point, I don't know who's done grander gestures. I wonder. Joe Jonas was a teenager. Taylor Lautner. Taylor Lautner might have. But we haven't done our deep dive there yet. So yeah. I'm just speculating. But like, that, I think that that probably shattered her. And then, and then if you're split up and he comes back and you hook up again. Right yeah. after he took his ex to the Golden Globes and flirted with your like arch nemesis. Like, oh <laughs> man. She would, yeah. Taylor Swift today would never allow that shit. She would not have hooked no. up with him again. But no. I'm thinking that that was like the, not like trying to get him back thing, but like. There's that if you break up and then you see them again and you want them back so bad and maybe part of you is like maybe we'll ha- we'll sleep together and he'll remember what it was like to be with me exactly like reminding them of like why it's so special and like trying to convince them that it's not worth it to leave like and I don't know I feel like most of us have been there if you haven't been there then like I'm concerned for your empathy but you know it's fine yeah um, <laughs> I mean I've been there yeah <laughs> it doesn't work it doesn't work because they don't want to be no. with you anymore. Exactly. Even though like they can love you 
and not want to be with you. They're not mutually exclusive thing. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from this <laughs> two nights in Nashville of January 2011. Um, on February 27th, 2011, Taylor and Jake both attend the Vanity Fair Oscar party. A witness says that they were seen, quote, outside near the restroom having a discussion. It seemed a bit more serious. It certainly wasn't, hi, how are you talk. It seemed like they were catching up or sorting something out. Another witness sitting near them says, quote, Jake was using words like care and feel. It is not a good spot to linger and eavesdrop. And yet another source states, it was a serious conversation. They stood a foot away from each other, but couldn't look at each other. It looked like they had just had a heart-to-heart talk. Two months after, like, they broke up, and they're still struggling. And they had handlers and security around keeping everybody away so that they could have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, they did it for three months, but he dragged her heart through the mud for months after the breakup like when you're the one with the responsibility of breaking up with the other aka you're the one that doesn't want to be in the relationship anymore I think that there is like an empathetic moral gold standard of not leading them on that's your responsibility as the person that broke up with the person not to lead them on through the breakup despite your struggles Mm mm-hmm Like, it's totally valid to be breaking up with somebody and be struggling yourself. I know a lot of people, or when you're on the opposite end of the relationship ending and you don't want it to end and the other person's breaking up with you, it makes you mad to hear that they're struggling because how could they be struggling? They're the ones that dumped you. I think it's totally valid to struggle on both sides. But you have a responsibility to be careful about that other person's feelings. Exactly. And to show some empathy because you're the one who's doing the breaking up, even though you're hurting too. Like, yeah, what they want and what they're begging you for when you're breaking up with them is please talk to me. Please don't stop talking to me. But that's because they're trying to convince you that to not leave. And if you're dead set on leaving, you need to ghost them. You need to let them have the space to get over you before you can even cultivate a friendship with them. That's just my mini breaking up soapbox. Which is funny because when I broke up with Matt, if you haven't listened to the, listen to a lot of the episodes, that might feel crazy because I'm still, I'm with Matt, but I did break up with him at one point. We got back together. Uh, I was pretty sensitive about the breakup, but I could not let go. And it turns out the reason I couldn't let go was because I did want to be with him. And I kind of had little birdies in my ear telling me to split up with him. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we ended up actually being really good together and we're back yeah. together now. But like, it's hard. It's hard to fully let go when you don't want to let go. Yeah, 100%. So this one's fun. August 26, 2011, Taylor and Reese Witherspoon get lunch together. This is important because Reese dated Jake for two years. Mm-hmm. Right two before Jake Taylor. Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Two Jake Gyllenhaal exes got together and got lunch. A source says that they talked about how vain and self-absorbed Jake can be and they laughed about it. Amazing. I Good love for food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so keep in mind during this entire year, she's riding red. So she's obviously yeah. still pretty shattered by the whole situation. Oh, the yeah. first song that she did write on red was All Too Well. We're going to d- dive into like more of the music here in just a little bit. But All Too Well was written. It was the first thing that she wrote for 
the album read. And yeah. it was while she was rehearsing for the Speak Now tour. Speak Now tour began in February of 2011. So it is presumed that all too well has been written. So all of these things coming after, all those feelings associated with it are being written throughout this entire time. Yeah, like the first stage of like breakup grief is extremely sad. And that's what all too well is. Mm-hmm. And then the anger and like shit talking comes. <laughs> that we are never ever getting better back together right <laughs> yes <laughs> um in january of 2012 taylor interviews with vogue and is asked if she's seeing anybody and she says i just don't really feel like dating i really have this great life right now and i'm not sad and i'm not crying this christmas so i'm really stoked about that but i'm not going to go into it it's a sad story she's referencing you know the year prior yeah december 2010 in this interview, she also mentions the red flags of, a, of relationships, and she says, I can't deal with someone who's obsessed with privacy. People kind of care if there are two famous people dating, but no one cares that much. If you care about privacy to the point that we need to dig a tunnel under this restaurant so that we can leave, I can't do that. Obviously throwing some shade, but also being fully honest, that's not something she's interested in doing. Think she's aware that that's something that she can't do with her level of fame, especially increasing fame. At this point, she's not as famous as she will become, but I think she has enough self-awareness that she is a celebrity. And yeah. people are going to know who she's dating, whether or not she wants them to. Whereas it's kind of interesting that like Jake, I mean, I think it's important to value your privacy and I don't think that's wrong. But it just feels like he takes too much offense when he's asked about his personal life because, of course, he's going to be asked about his personal life. Taylor Swift is acutely aware that she can't get away with anything. She tried to escape her apartment building in a suitcase one time, (laughs) and people still knew it was her in the suitcase. I believe that. I believe that theory 100%. She was in the damn suitcase. (laughs) For those who don't know, we're going to be doing like a conspiracy theory episode, and that is one of the widely known swifty conspiracy theory she was in that suitcase and they carried her out sneaking out of her apartment in the suitcase (laughs) january 26 us weekly reported that taylor's haunted by that relationship with jake and he totally screwed with her mind haunted yeah i love that song in august 2012 taylor says while promoting red quote All the different emotions that are written about on this album are pretty much about the kind of tumultuous, crazy, intense, semi-toxic relationships that I've experienced in the last two years. At Jake Gyllenhaal and John Mayer, (laughs) we see you. Yeah, but what John John Mayer songs are on Red? I mean, I'm sure she had some influence to write some lines from her trauma with John Mayer. I don't believe, like, I believe 100% that there are some influences Taylor pulls from multiple places to make one story. Yeah, that's probably true. August 30th, 2012, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together releases. With a video. And just as a fun little note, uh, this is her first ever number one. So this song, yes. she's to number one. And it's big news because it's basically just a pop song and she's breaking out of country and doing this half country, half pop rock album thing. 
And in the video, Taylor wears glasses that are similar to the ones that Jake Gyllenhaal wears. And the video briefly depicts Taylor and the music video boyfriend fighting in a car. In a car, like the paparazzi. And the boyfriend takes off his scarf and wraps her up in it. The Daily Beast published an interview with Taylor saying, aren't you worried this will scare off guys you might want to date? And she says, I don't know. I've never had a guy say to me, I was thinking of asking you out, but I was afraid I would end up in that song. I have had a guy say as we were breaking up, you better not write a song about this. At which point I proceeded to write an entire album about it. So that's probably Jake Gyllenhaal reread. And I think it's important to note too, she said she wrote an entire album about it. So this is kind of how I loop in that certain songs are about Jake Gyllenhaal and then on October 22nd of 2012 Red Drops I have a list of a few songs that have I think substantial proof that it's about Jake Gyllenhaal like I said because she stated that she basically wrote an entire album about one relationship but it's fair to assume that most of the breakup songs on there are about Jake but there are some that just have evidence first one being State of Grace The line, we're up in your room and our slates are clean. Just twin fire signs for blue eyes. They both have blue eyes, hence four blue eyes. And they are both Sagittarius's. Twin fire signs, because it's the same fire sign. Twin fire signs. The secret message for State of Grace, which for those who don't know, in her lyric booklets for her CDs, 1989 and earlier, she would capitalize random letters in the lyrics and they spelt out like, as a secret message the secret message for state of grace was i love you doesn't count after goodbye oh so that's why you think he loves her uh-huh and i mean she basically says it in all too well 10 minutes but we'll get there eventually yeah red um doesn't have any lyrics that i think stand out super hardcore but the secret message is sag which fans speculate to be short for sagittarius or Swift and Gyllenhaal. It also could mean SAG, Screen Actors Guild, mm-hmm. which is the group that actors are a part of, like yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And then the famous All Too Well, I left my scarf there at your sister's house. The scarf symbolism, it, if, if there is a mention of a scarf, it's Jake. It just is. They were seen wearing the same scarf all together. The scarf in the We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together video, he, like, puts it around her neck. And when she leaves him, she takes it off and throws it at his feet. Like, the scarf is symbolism for their relationship. And there's, you know, speculation in the fandom that it's a metaphor for her virginity. Some more lines from All Too Well. We were singing in the car, getting lost upstate. Where did they vacation? Upstate New York. You know, you know. (laughs) And last but not least, the secret message for All Too Well was Maple Latte. They got coffee together way too fucking much. And every place they went, people were like, Jake Gyllenhaal likes maple syrup in his lattes. You and Jake Gyllenhaal have that in common. (laughs) I do it because of Taylor Swift. I do prefer caramel latte, but that's also a Taylor Swift (laughs) trip. And then just some Easter egg knowledge for later. We are never, ever getting back together. We think it's about Jake Gyllenhaal as of right now because of the scarf in the video. And I think this line gives some context to kind of how he was in their relationship. 
and you would hide away and find your peace of mind with some indie record that's much cooler than mine. It kind of gives the vibe he he tries to be kind of unique and cool and he doesn't like the mainstream shit. And that's Taylor Swift, just she's the mainstream shit. And of course, probably the song that I think tells the story of their relationship the hardest after All Too Well, The Moment I Knew. The whole song tells the story of Taylor being set up on her birthday party, and it's exactly what is rumored to have happened at the time down to Taylor crying in the bathroom. Moment I knew is a sad one. And basically just a (laughs) confessional about it ending. January 23rd, 2013. So this is right after she and Harry Styles split up, actually, because she had her short-lived relationship with Harry Styles on January 23rd, 2013. In an interview with a Spanish television show, Taylor said, quote, I think once a relationship is done, it's done. You can't do that back and forth thing. It's the most exhausting process. When asked about important characteristics to look for, she replied, I think you have to have somebody that's dependable, that isn't going to change their mind every five seconds. Now, we've talked about this quote before, and I think that might be more in relation to Harry Styles Mm -hmm. and what we think after our deep dives of their potential for on and off. But if this happened back to back, like Jake Gyllenhaal and then to Harry Styles, I would be saying the same thing. Like, screw this on again, off again thing. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I get the idea that some of her songs, while they're about one specific person, the most recent person, I feel like she pulls from her past experiences and makes relations. What we can pretty safely assume at this point is that if there is a song on Red that has to do with a boy, the odds of it being about Jake Gyllenhaal are astronomically high. So we probably won't get to every single song that there is on Red in this episode. We did a full Let's Talk Red episode a few months ago, if you want to go listen to that. But like, I don't know. This is very Jake Gyllenhaal coded. Anyway, so we're going to assume that Jake Gyllenhaal took the hint and didn't contact her again. Because if we're reeling it back to when that Daily Beast article came out, she did have an interview with Katie Couric, who liked one of our Instagram posts one time. Thank you, saucy queen. When she asked Taylor if the person that we are never, ever getting back together was written about, if he got the hint, she said, I haven't heard from him since. So I think so. Mm-hmm. I think I was just insistent enough this time. When a flash forward to November 18th, 2013, in where... Taylor finally admits that she did hear from the guy who most of Red was about. And he said, I just listened to the album and that was a really bittersweet experience for me. It was like going through a photo album and that was nice. I think that's like a very mature response, especially in comparison to our boy John Mayer and writing her a threatening email. She didn't like to talk about John Mayer because it traumatized her. And meanwhile, Jake Gyllenhaal, it was... A lot nicer of an ending, despite her being heartbroken. Which again, if he did love her, it going back over memories with someone that you did love, even though you knew you weren't right together, can still be lovely. Exactly. You know, I say, you know, things are a lot more amicable. But then two years later, January 2015, Taylor and Jake awkwardly run into each other at the Golden Globes after party. And according to witnesses at the party, Taylor kept telling her friends, we have to go. We have to go now, like panicked and went into the bathroom and she came out with smudged eye makeup 
And according to a source, Jake sent her flowers after this incident as an apology. So I wonder if like something happened that we don't know about, like maybe they were in contact beforehand or something. And he said, no, I won't be there. So she was taken off guard or maybe she heard a rumor that he wasn't going to be there and she was taken off guard by it. Or like, honestly, even thinking about my own life (laughs) in 2019, I was in a grocery store and I saw one of the first people that ever really broke my heart. And I was carrying around a gallon of milk. I saw him in an aisle. He did not see me. And I panicked and I put the milk on the shelf with like the crackers and stuff. I probably wasted that gallon and I ran out of the store. He didn't do anything wrong. I just was not prepared in that moment to see him and interact with him. And so I ran. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, if our theory is correct, and this is her first true deep love and deep heartbreak, I'm sure it's jarring for her to see him anywhere. And I'm sure it's still like, if she were to run into him to this day, it would still be like uncomfortable. So I know it would be for me. And I'm like in a happy relationship too. There's this quote that I heard when I was younger and I've always loved it. And it says, I will always love the people that I once loved, even if I cross the street to avoid them. And, you know, I don't know if it's true that people always love people that they once loved. In fact, I would wager that that's not true, but I think that Taylor Swift does feel things really, really deeply. And she is empathetic and love means a lot to her. So seeing somebody that she was once that in love with would really crack her. I don't know if it's that I relate to Taylor Swift and also feel deeply, or if I believe this is how it is for everybody. I don't know. I haven't deeply analyzed, but I go off of the belief that if you truly love somebody, like you never stop caring about them. Even if you guys ended on bad terms, like you do like seeing when things go their way and you can still love somebody, but you being in love with them isn't active anymore. If that makes sense, you can love them in retrospect and respect them as a person and want the best for them, even though they did you wrong in certain ways, but you're not actively in love with them. Like, they, like I think that's different. I feel like it kind of all ties back to that whole love and hate ride this really fine line thing that is talked about literally all the time because I don't think that I love people that I've loved again in the past, but like there are people who've done me so dirty that that love has like quickly shifted to hate. But the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. So it's that really weird fine line. But I also don't know if Taylor Swift is like capable of pure unadulterated hate. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, back to the timeline. That night, she was comforted in big part by Cara Delevingne. This is during her time when she's hanging out with a group of models, and Cara is a model. She's Victoria's Secret model at the time. She sits on a bench, talks with her privately, but whatever it is, she must have got it off her chest because the next day, Us Weekly, quote-unquote, changes the story. It (laughs) says, now it's reported that Taylor and her friends arrived at the Chateau Marmont just before 2 a.m., and Jake was there in the lobby. He was leaving when she came in and Taylor ran up and gave him a big hug and they caught up. They were smiling and looked like any old friends catching up. And to be honest, at this point, it's been over three years. I guess I could I could buy that story. Yeah, it's hard to tell when it's just a bunch of gossip, but we're, it's what we're here for to propose all the gossip <laughs> so we can make our own conclusions. <laughs> exactly. And let you do the same. In July of 2015, July 20th. Jake is interviewed on Good Morning America. He's promoting his film Southpaw. Bad Blood plays in the intro when he's walking in. (laughs) And Good Morning America claims that 
it was just a coincidence but I think that that's a funny little tidbit like I mean it's probably a coincidence but it like yeah I believe it was a coincidence but it's super silly and you know he was probably cringing yeah like walking out like oh shit man (laughs) oh I'm gonna hear about this (laughs) yeah literally because he doesn't like his private life being or being public he definitely was like damn it damn it I was trying to avoid the media story (laughs) the next interview he had was two days later where he appeared on Howard Stern and then he denies that he heard bad blood playing but when asked if he could recognize a Taylor Swift track he said of course but when he was asked if he is aware that there are songs written about him he said do I I don't know and then he called Taylor a beautiful girl. Howard tells him that he should have married Taylor. Yeah, I listened to this little snippet and like, it was definitely kind of awkward for sure. Could have been like, oh yeah, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Whatever. We're trying to play it off. Yeah, he was definitely trying to move on from that subject. <laughs> Can't say I blame him. That's a weird thing to say to somebody. Yeah. Howard was like, I think you should have married Taylor Swift. What a power couple. Somebody said that to me about one of my exes. I think I would collapse. Right. Like, I think my heart would stop. Like an ex that you dumped, too. Yeah, like, oh, thanks for the input. Uh, I'm going to go pass away, I think. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for that one. On November 11th, 2015, OK Magazine reports that Jake and Taylor are speaking because Jake asked Cara Delevingne, she's back, for Taylor's phone number. And the rumor is that he said he owed Taylor an apology for how things ended between them. And it's been like four years and apparently they've spoken since then. Like, what do you mean? And she's dating Calvin Harris during this time, too. Yeah. So that's... Like, there's like the other side of the rumor of like, no, that's not what's happening. Yeah, because she's somebody close to Taylor was like, this is nonsense. She's not talking to Jake. She's devoted to Calvin and her career, which are both going strong. She is not seeking anything from past boyfriends at all, and she doesn't talk to Jake. So again, we're going to leave this up to you as the listener to draw your own conclusions about how far their relationship was going. Yeah. I personally believe at this point like that she was more focused on her current relationship. I mean, I think it's entirely possible that he got her phone number from Cara Delevingne and then didn't go through with anything. He might have thought about it. He might have had some of those, uh, the one that got away feelings. Yeah. I mean, that's what I 100% believe, given context of Taylor's songs, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together is about a guy who keeps crawling back and being like, I love you. Like, we could talk. We could, I mean, whatever. And she's like, no, stop. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, in March of 2017, Jake has a really uncomfortable interview with The Guardian. (laughs) And he's asked if dating Taylor Swift was like playing with fire since she is known for writing about her personal life and he is intensely private. And he begins by saying, I think when you're in a relationship, you're constantly scrutinized. Your friends are scrutinized. But and he trails off and just starts staring at the interviewer and the interviewer is staring back waiting for him to continue (laughs) and Jake just keeps staring at him and he finally says I would love to not talk about my personal life and the interviewer in an asshole way says that it's not really that personal because his relationship with Taylor Swift was public knowledge and Jake says he disagrees and him and the interviewer go back and forth a little bit for a while before Jake bluntly states I would love to talk about the movie it's so (laughs) awkward and like The interviewer segued into it by saying, for someone who's so intensely private, don't you think it was playing with fire to start dating Taylor Swift? And it's not an unfair question. It's just at this point, it's so far removed. 
we're five and a half years out from it. It just seems like an inappropriate question. Not in Jake's defense or anything. Just like, I don't blame him no, for being like, why are we doing this? Relevant. Yeah. It's not relevant. And I think at this point he might have another girlfriend too. Like just because he dated a big star who's still a big star and even bigger than when he dated her, like it doesn't matter. Like they're just looking for a clickbait quote and he knows that. Well, Maggie Gyllenhaal, his sister, doesn't get out of this hot water either because in September of 2017 on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, Andy asks Maggie about the scarf and she responds, like she's laughing. She's not taking this seriously. She's like, I've never understood why everybody asked me about this scarf. What is this? I am in the dark about the scarf. It's totally possible. I don't know. I've been asked about this before and I've been like, what are you talking about? Andy says that she should look for it and she laughs and she says, Yeah, it's possible. She's taking it in jest. She's laughing. But but I'm sure she's also at this point, five years later, she's still being asked about the fucking scarf. (laughs) The scarf is a metaphor. (laughs) There's like all of those jokes about how Taylor Swift fans make everything about Taylor Swift, which it is funny, and Taylor Swift fans do that, but so does everybody else. So yeah. (laughs) Especially interviewers. Oh yeah. <laughs> also in September of 2017, Jake has a conversation with Jeff Bauman, the Boston Marathon bombing survivor that he is going to portray in Stronger. And Jeff asks Jake, if you lost your legs in real life, do you think Taylor Swift would write a song about it? Jesus Christ. And that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, like, that's no. Like, that's fucked that's up. That's also at its root a little bit sexist, too. Like, she's not going to... <laughs> Yeah, that's not her experiences. That's not her experience. Like she's not just gonna write a song about her ex's life just because it's her ex. Like, come on. Very bizarre. But he handled it great because Jake responds, for me or about it. And Jeff says, for you, like a country song. And he says, she sort of moved into pop now. Yeah, like <laughs> years into her pop career. <laughs> Next up in November of 2020, Taylor interviews with Rolling Stone and says about Red. I look back on this as my only true breakup album. Every other album has flickers of different things. This was an album that I wrote specifically about a pure, absolute, to the core heartbreak. He fucked her up. (laughs) Uh, He did fuck her up. I also want to make a note that in July of 2020 as well, um, Jenny Lewis, who he took to the Golden Globes, his ex, it was a whole thing. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. confirmed in July of 2020 around the time folklore came out, actually, I think like the day folklore came out, somebody tweeted and said, I can't stop thinking about how Jake Gyllenhaal dumped redacted, then started hanging out with Jenny Lewis. So redacted wrote a song that throws shade, even though she was a fan of Jenny's music. And Jenny said, I was actually with Jay Rice for years at that point when Jake asked me to be his friend date for the Golden Globes after asking Rice for permission. That was, I mean, it's a little thing, but uh, it's years later taking some of the heat off of Jake Gyllenhaal for choosing to bring his ex to the Golden Globes right after dumping Taylor Swift. And that was just confirmed in July of 20. Red Taylor's version is announced on June 18th, 2021. She says, the next album I'll be releasing is my version of Red, which will be out on November 19th. It came out a week prior, but whatever. (laughs) This will be the first time you hear all 30 songs that are meant to go on Red. And hey, one of them is even 10 minutes long. And she also puts in like this big excerpt about how 
the world is a different place for heartbroken people and red is intentionally all over the place. Just like a heartbroken person is all over the place Mm -hmm. and a fractured mosaic of feelings that somehow all fit together in the end. It's such a beautiful little tribute to red and the hype was major. So you had five months to prepare and man, Jake Gyllenhaal probably was shitting his pants. Yeah, I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal properly prepared. <laughs> no, he probably saw that post or like his publicist warned him and he was like, here we go again. Buckle up, my boy. <laughs> Red Taylor's version does come out in November. It does come out November 12th instead of November 19th. But on November 5th, a week prior, Taylor Swift says there's actually going to be a short film about All Too Well <laughs> and Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink are cast in it. We have our whole breakdown of the music video in another episode. Go listen to that yes. for more of the details. But the important thing to note here is that Sadie Sink and Dylan O'Brien have almost the exact same age difference oh, as yeah. Taylor and Jake at the time of their relationship. And she kind of, in the video, reenacts a lot of what we saw in their relationship like going upstate the car yelling situation like it's just mm, so many easter eggs for her actual real life relationship that makes me wonder about some of the scenes that we don't have confirmed parallels to makes me feel like it happened at, at some sort of real life level i think so i think that she did a very good job and again we talk far more about this in our music video analysis but she did a really good job painting true stories onto these characters and yes. it's it's so well acted it's lovely again we don't know oscar noms yet but it's it's in, a, in the oscar conversations for sure finally on november 12th 2021 red taylor's version drops all the same songs from the original except for the vault tracks which if you don't happen to know the vault tracks are songs that she wrote during that time in her life and considered putting them on the original album but decided not to and now that she's doing her re-recordings she is recording those and releasing them and one of them is better man which she had previously given the rights to Little Big Town. She has said before in interviews that when she was deciding the original track list of Red, she was deciding between Better Man and All Too Well. Like it was one or the other in her mind for the track five, which makes me think that it's also about Jake Gyllenhaal because apples to apples. Yeah, One with a little more solid backing is I Bet You Think About Me. Bet you think about me. And this is because, for me at least, this line that says, I bet you think about me when you're out at your cool indie music concerts every week. It ties into We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together with his indie record that's much cooler than mine. Like the idea that Jake is, you know, a little more on the vain side and thinks he's like a hipster and trying to be cool. Then we get the catastrophic all too well 10 minute version punch me in the face when you're good today (laughs) (laughs) so the lines that i pulled from this we'll eventually do a true deep dive of this song because it deserves its own deep dive just like all these songs but some of the more notable lyrics that i think really drives the point home that all too well is undoubtedly about jake gyllenhaal you said if we had been closer in age maybe it would have been fine and that made me want to die 
rumors say that you know he didn't want to be with her because of the age difference and he felt that age difference two you who charmed my dad with self-effacing jokes sipping coffee like you're on a late night show but then he watched me watch the front door all night willing you to come and he said it's supposed to be fun turning 21 this calls back to her 21st birthday party where jake we know stood her up and didn't show up to her birthday party yeah and then the last one that I think is like a little bit special, did the twin flame bruise paint you blue? This makes me think back to State of Grace with twin fire signs. I feel like whenever she references a twin flame, that's what she thought her and Jake were, especially during this era. Any song that's like about a twin flame, I think is about Jake. Also on November 12th, 2021, the short film is released and the scarf is heavily emphasized. There's the scene of the couple fighting in the car that's a little bit reminiscent of that paparazzi moment where Jake is yelling. And like I said before, I feel like a lot that goes on in that short film is a reflective of their real life relationship. Later in November 2021, Taylor appears on Late Night with Seth Meyers to promote Red Taylor's version. And she is asked if she thinks that the experience for her song subjects is worse now or 10 years before when it was actually happening, because now she's digging up these old things. And she says, I haven't really thought about their experience, to be honest. And Seth says, I know. (laughs) Seth says, that's the biggest burn. I think there's nothing they'd rather hear less. And she makes a shocked face that he would say that on television. And she laughs. On January 12th, 2022, so this year, W Magazine trolls literally everyone by publishing a photo of Jake in red heart-shaped sunglasses, like the 22 music video, with a (laughs) caption, red, Jake's version. He was probably so upset about that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of shady, but Mm -hmm. whatever. All press is good press or whatever. And I mean, like, you gotta be called out, like... Yeah, if it's the biggest thing in the world. Nine year old dating a twenty year old—that's gross. It doesn't matter how nice you are during the breakup. Okay, that's gross. Well, speaking Don't do of that. him, maybe not being a nice guy. January fifteenth of this year, Dominica Ferrard publishes the movie Star in Me, which, if you haven't read, is an essay from Dominica, who is a playwright. And it's her talking about her experience of being 23 and having sexual advances from a 35-year-old movie star and how exciting the opportunity would be for her to lose her virginity to a movie star. When she ultimately declines having sex with him, apparently he stops talking to her and says, you know what, I'm glad we didn't have sex. And there are rumors flying around that he does this. He pressures playwrights and uh, PAs, people on set who are impressionable, for relationships or sex or whatever. And none of this is confirmed. And she did not confirm that it was about Jake Gyllenhaal. There's just a lot of speculation that it is. It also could have been her, like not knowing a lot about her. It could have been her writing off of the Jake Gyllenhaal hate train that was happening. Nobody knows because she hasn't confirmed or denied. So that was whirling around as well during this time when Jake Gyllenhaal wasn't exactly getting the best press. Yeah. And it's also interesting, I guess, tying back to a line in All Too Well 10 Minutes, she sings i was never good at telling jokes but the punchline goes i'll get older but your lovers stay my age so that kind of is a little bit of evidence to back up that account 
and the fact that Jake's current girlfriend is 25 years old and he's like 40 something now. It does. It doesn't look good. Like it really no. doesn't look good. And it, just to clarify, I don't mean like I don't believe that these things happened to her, but she didn't confirm or deny who it was about. And when the stories were flying around about it being about Jake Gyllenhaal, she didn't comment. And that could have been for her own protection from Jake Gyllenhaal and his publicist. Yeah. It could have been because it was getting a lot of chatter about being about Jake Gyllenhaal. And if it wasn't about him, saying it wasn't about him wouldn't help her. It wouldn't. It, there's just a lot behind it. But it's a beautiful essay, but it's hard to get through. So yeah. Not because it's badly written, but because it's emotional. Right. So on February 17th, 2022, Esquire published an interview with Jake Gyllenhaal. And it says, Swift did not comment on her fans' reactions. While she's always been open about her using past relationships as lyrical fodder, she's never named names. Until now, Jill, well, not never, but until now, Gyllenhaal hasn't commented either. He turned off his Instagram comments, was the only sign this firestorm had affected him at all. It has nothing to do with me. It's about her relationship with her fans. It is her expression. Artists tap into personal experiences for inspiration, and I don't begrudge anyone that. Still, I offer, hasn't the past month been hard on him? He says it has not. What about turning off his Instagram comments? Doesn't that suggest the situation has affected his life, even if only as an inconvenience? At some point, I think it's important when supporters get unruly that we feel a responsibility to have them be civil and not allow cyberbullying in one's name break there there's a call at the time for taylor swift to intercept the hate he was getting and she didn't do that and there's a lot of debate about whether or not it's an artist's responsibility like when joshua bassett literally had a heart attack and went to the hospital after driver's license dropped by olivia rodrigo And people were like, Olivia, you should step in here. Your fans are literally bullying him into getting a heart attack. And she didn't say anything. And she got a lot of heat for that. And so there comes a point when is it the artist's responsibility to stop the recipient from getting hate from your fan base? Or is it, sorry, again, tying it back to, if you don't want me to write songs about you, don't do bad things. Yeah, I feel like that's like multi-layered. I don't think it is the artist's responsibility for other people being decent human beings. You shouldn't need your, like, idol celebrity to tell you, don't send death threats to my exes. (laughs) Didn't think I had to write that one down for you. Just because, like, people are celebrities, it doesn't make them not people. Um, At the same time, though, I do think people like Jake Gyllenhaal and John Mayer should be haunted for the rest of their lives for, you know, taking advantage of young women. They made their choices. In September of 2022... Taylor confirms at an interview at the Toronto International Film Festival that the scarf from All Too Well was, quote, obviously a metaphor. Fans start cheering because we know what that metaphor is. Or she knows what we think that metaphor is. You know, she knows what we think. And people cheer and she goes, stop it. Basically, (laughs) you stop it. And she was, like, a bit bashful and didn't want to elaborate on the metaphor. You stop it. It felt like getting yelled at by your mother. (laughs) So she, like, knows what that means to us. And she knew what she was leading on in that moment, which I don't think was an accident. 
I guess we're on our final thoughts portion of this episode. And my final thoughts, which I kind of hinted at earlier, was I don't know Jake Gyllenhaal personally. And on top of that, I don't know how menacing he is. I don't know how predatory he is because a 25-year-old could theoretically be in the same stage of life as somebody who's 40. That's happened before. I think he started dating his current girlfriend when she was like 21 or 22. They've been together for years and now she's 25. Fair enough. I, I think that... It's really common for men, particularly in the entertainment industry, to be predatory on young women because they know that the young woman's going to look up to them. I also yeah. feel like it's really hard to find that line between when a man is being predatory and when they actually have a good relationship. And I'm not in the relationship that he's in right now. I don't think that Jake Gyllenhaal is the monster that I believe that John Mayer is. Nope. I agree with that. I also, I don't think that he's special enough for any of this shit, no. frankly. He's a guy. I I struggle with sympathy for him because like yeah he's not being nasty about her in interviews he's being like respectful and whatever but like is it respectful to date a girl significantly younger than you that's obviously in a different stage in her life because you know she's going to be obsessed with you and do all these grandiose things and make her fall in love with you and then like beg her not to write a song about you when that's to her fucking job a word to the wise, if you're listening to this, uh, don't take somebody's virginity unless you think you're at least going to be with them for a while or you could see a future with them that's serious. On the other side of things, think about your stage of life before you jump into a relationship with somebody that's older than you because stage of life is why people break up more often than age. And age and stage of life are definitely correlated, but they're not necessarily tied together. And it was obvious that they were in different stages of life. And I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal is an idiot. I just think that he was self-absorbed. I don't know. I just, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who are full grown adults dating anyone 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Because like, what's the difference between that 19 year old and a 17 year old? What's that Taylor? Oh, a uh, sexy baby. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's becoming kind of something that at least people our age are talking about more. Because people our age are coming up on the ages of the men that were predatory on them. And it puts things in a lot of perspective. We keep referencing John Mayer because John Mayer dated Taylor when she was 19 and he was 32. Taylor is 32 and came out with would have, could have, should have on midnight. Would have, could have, should have, if you'd never looked my way, I would have stayed. Switch is basically like, I wish I never would have known what it was. I wish he would have left me wondering because like, it wasn't great. It was actually awful. And he took my girlhood and like, I don't know how to like go forward with this. And it haunts me. I struggle to like empathize or even sympathize with grown people dating others that are so young and so close to that legal age limit, because there is not a big difference between them and a teenager. I feel that way too. As for where they're at today, I don't think that they're speaking. I don't think that they're friends. I think that they are distance acquaintances. And I think that if they saw each other in a crowded room, they might do the nod. They might confirm she doesn't give a shit, but that's probably it. So I guess I'll kick it off with the Tay learning. I Tay learned this episode that if this rumor is true, that Jake Gyllenhaal got Taylor's number from Cara Delevingne because they were close at the time. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Ooh, I learned um, that Taylor shit talked with Reese Witherspoon after <laughs> they broke up. That's a good one. That's a good one. This is so fun. <laughs> 
And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that a good chunk of her exes suck. I think that John Mayer sucks. I think Jake Gyllenhaal sucks. I think that these men are not particularly good people. I do think John Mayer is much worse than Jake Gyllenhaal because Taylor herself has, like, roundabout confirmed that. Uh, I also think that he takes advantage of the fact that he is a movie star and he can do what he wants. And that's messed up because he shouldn't be able to. He shouldn't get a free pass for being famous. Like, what's so wrong with women your age, Jake? They're they're intelligent and experienced enough to call you out on your bullshit. Bingo. That's it. That's the unspoken part. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about next week? So next week, we are kind of going back to the roots of song analyses. We are going to be analyzing a fan favorite from Taylor's most forgotten album, Evermore. We are going to be doing a deep dive of the song Champagne Problems. My heart was glass, I dropped it, champagne problems. Ooh, mixing it up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we are entering Evermore season, I guess. Cause yes, we are. Yeah, it's a winter. Getting chilly. <laughs> it's coming up on the two-year anniversary of Evermore, so... Yes. <laughs> okay phenomenal we hope if you're listening to this that you got the tickets that you wanted to to the eras tour we hope to see you hopefully by the time this episode comes out we've gotten our tickets as well and maybe we can say hi to you at one of the shows that we go to so we'll drop yeah. more details on that later once it's confirmed but definitely and as always give us a follow on instagram and tiktok our handle is at Learning podcast you can follow us on twitter at Learning. Um, if you ever want to reach out, our DMs are always open. We love hearing from you guys. If you want to email us, our email address is taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and we will catch you on the other side. Yes. See you next time. For a dollar, name a celebrity you hate. Go. Scream it. Scream it. Take Gyllenhaal. Yes, take it. Take In August of 20, we're in 2012. Yeah. Oh, shit. In January of 2020. Hello. <laughs> in January, in January 2012. You just said 2012. I did. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best. In January 2012. <laughs> in January 2012. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs>